0: Warren's the author of the uh, best-selling book, The Purpose-Driven Life. And his dad is on his deathbed, and Rick is beside his dad. And it, right in terrible shape, his dad starts trying to get out of his bed. And, and, and Rick has to hold him down, and then his dad begins to say this phrase over and over again, gotta save one more for Jesus, gotta save one more for Jesus. And, and finally, he tries to get out of bed, and they have to calm him back down. He keeps repeating that, that line, I've got to save one more for Jesus. And Rick said he just stopped, and he, he bowed his head, and he just thanked God for having a dad who was so full of mission and so faithful to God. And then he felt his dad put his hand on his head, and he began to pray, be with my son, help him to save one more for Jesus. My friends, 2,000 years ago, our Heavenly Father put His hand on His Son and sent Him to this earth on a mission to seek and save the lost. And before He left, He put His hand on us and said, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. He gave us that same mission. My, My friends, we are a sent people. That's who we are. Now, the question this morning as to whether we will fulfill our calling or not, here's the way I'd like to couch it. Do we have agreement or do we have ownership? Okay, there's a big difference between agreement and ownership. We all know that. You can come here today and you can say, I agree that Jesus is the Son of God. I agree that he resurrected from the dead. I agree that he has the words of eternal life. That's one thing to agree about it. It's another thing to own it in your life. But we got all kinds of areas like that. We see the terrible things happening around the world with terrorist attacks today. It's one thing for us to sit here and agree that something needs to be done. It's another thing for you to go join the army. We hear lots of complaints often in our communities about the school systems. It's one thing for us to say, what's happened to our school systems, and I don't like it. It's another thing for you to go sign up to be a tutor in the school system. You see, there's a great difference between agreement and ownership. We understand that in lots of areas of our life. You know, if you have a lease agreement, if you rent a car you probably treat it a little bit different than if you owned the car. I mean, I've never rented a car where the, I was concerned with if they had gone past the mileage marker in having the oil changed. Just never worried about it. It's, it's not my car. That, that, that's their job to determine whether the oil's changed or not. And if I'm in a, you know, a rental car, let me just be honest, And I hit a big pothole in the road, it doesn't bother me so bad because I can say to myself, it's just what? A rental car. But if I'm on my own car, it's a little bit different. I mean, if you lease a place to live, you will probably treat it different than a home that you own. One might be a home and one might be a house. I mean, if there's an ugly wall or ugly painted room in the house that you're leasing, you'll probably say to yourself, I'm not going to invest the money in this to change this wall because, you know, with the lease agreement, I'm out of here anytime I want to. You're not going to take those countertops and put, um, you know, uh, marble on them in a house that you're just leasing. And if the door opens, and it opens a little bit too hard and knocks a little hole in the wall, you, you might not patch it in a house you're just leasing because you're not investing in that house. You'll get nothing out of that house. You don't have ownership. But if you're in a house that you own, it's completely different. And guys, when it comes to this mission that God has given us, that's our challenge. Is, is, are we simply under a lease agreement, or do we actually own the mission? Does the mission own us? Now this morning, we're just going to ask three simple questions. We heard Jesus' words to his disciples last Sunday. And our three questions are this. Did they own the mission? Do we own the mission? And then we'll get personal toward the end. Do I own the mission? Let's start with them. Now, how would we find out if they took Jesus for real? Here's all you need to do is read the book of Acts. You get the books of Acts, and you see these disciples, they become the church, and we'll find out whether they take the mission on or not. We're, we're going to look at lots of scriptures right now, so just uh, hold on with me. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is, are the last words that Jesus says before he ascends to heaven, and he restates the mission. He may use different words, but he restates the mission. He says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. Jesus, let me tell you one more time what you're going to do. You're going to go and you're going to share this message. It's going to start here. It's going to go further and then all the way to the end of the world. If you're standing with us today, Jesus might say, here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to share the gospel all over the river region. I wanted to reach Birmingham. And then I wanted to go to Malawi and Tanzania and Turkey and China to the ends of the world. Now, do they take it for real? On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Peter gets up in front of possibly 100,000 people. Listen to his words, Acts 2 verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Here's the good news. But God raised him from the dead, freed him from the agony of death, Because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then he concluded that message with these words. Therefore, let all the house of Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Hold on a second. This is the same guy that would not even admit he knew Jesus when Jesus was on trial. And now he's boldly shaking his finger in the people's face and saying you blew it the other day. Oh, they own the mission. Acts chapter 4, they start getting in, in a little trouble. The priest and captain of the temple guard, the Sadducees, came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. These guys get in trouble because they cannot stop speaking the message. Look what happens, verse 7. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to count today for an act of kindness, shown to a man who was lame, and being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel... It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone the builders rejected and has become the cornerstone. At least not is. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men they were astonished and they took note that they had been with Jesus the mission of Jesus the lifestyle of Jesus had so rubbed off on them that they're acting like Jesus and everybody knows it and then they're still in trouble look at verse 18 then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus but Peter and John replied Which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to Him. (laughs) You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We just can't help ourselves. Then they're released from prison and talking about prayer meeting. They walk into a prayer meeting and here's what they're praying. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. So stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And then they just keep on. Verse 25, chapter 5. Then someone came and said, Look, The men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. They don't go undercover. They go to the most obvious risky place in Jerusalem, the temple, and keep preaching. And then, literally, all hell breaks loose. The authorities are fed up with it. And in Acts chapter 8, everything with the church changes. It looks bad, but it's really good. Acts chapter 8. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Watch here. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. He, they proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness And without hindrances. Now I skipped a section there. We skipped from that place in Acts chapter 8 where the church gets in trouble and they are scattered. And then we end up in the last verse of the book of Acts. Here's what I want you to see. Did they accept the mission that Jesus had called them to, to be sent like he had been sent? Oh, absolutely, man. Max Cicado put it this way, they shook history like a housewife shakes a rug. I mean, everything began to change because these men accepted the mission. Now, here's our question today. Do we accept the mission, okay? When it comes to owning the mission, do we? Now, let me show you what happened when they did. I mean, just, just hold on. Just buckle up here, okay? If, if, if you want to read, and I, you're, the, my screen man up there is going to have to go really fast with me because I'm going to show you what happened in the book of Acts when a group of people owned the mission. Here's what it says about the church. First of all, it was 3,000. Then it says that they added daily. Then they were 5,000. Then by chapter 5, there are more and more. Then by chapter 6, it increased rapidly. By chapter 11, there's a great number of people. Then it continued to spread and to flourish. It grew daily in numbers. And finally, by chapter 19, it says the church spread wildly. Isn't that something? Woo! Wouldn't you like to be a part of that? I mean, this movement, this sending explodes. I guess the question for us today is is could we own the movement? Could we own the mission the way they did? So that's our question. Do we own the mission? When it comes to owning the mission, is it ours? Now, let me give you some signs that would help us figure out if we own the mission. Here's what happened to people who own the mission. They work harder. They sacrifice more. They're more creative. And they criticize less. Now, let me stop here and say where I got that list. That list is from a website called Inside Business. That's not, that's not a spiritual list per se. That's a list of what happens where you work when people begin to own the mission. When everybody gets on the same page. When you have buy-in. And maybe right now you can even evaluate where you work. Do you work harder? If you own the mission, you do. You're not worried about when the clock ends because you are committed to the mission. You want to sacrifice more because you bought into it. You don't just do the minimum. Your creative juices are out of control because you want to see your company or your business or your school flourish. And quite frankly, you start criticizing less. You see, when you don't own the mission, when you're just leasing the mission, you know, and it's not yours, well, then you look at everything with a critical eye because you don't have any buy-in. You don't have any skin in. And so you become more and more critical. Now, this is true in other areas. We were blessed to go to the, the movie Selma Friday night. That's an incredible movie. I mean, you see, man, you see some people who were on a mission. And it wasn't just a good agreement. They thought, you know what? Wouldn't it be nice if we got to vote like white people? Wouldn't it be great if we had the same freedoms? No, 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 no. It wasn't that they just agreed that'd be a good idea. It was that they were willing to put their life on the line. And many of them were killed in the middle of that mission. And they were willing to sacrifice their reputations, their homes, their lives. They became so creative. You go watch the movie. And the creativity of that group... They own the mission. And I say to you today, guys, as we as a church, because we're we're talking about a a bolder, more godly mission than anything we've talked about so far. What happens if we really own it? Let me tell you what, we are going to work harder. It's not going to be coming to church and saying, give me the minimum, buddy, of what I got to do. How many times do I have to go a week? Do I have to come back to this thinking celebration and connection night? Or can I stay home and watch TV? It's no longer just the minimum. You know, I, I sacrifice more. Man, it, it, you need my time. I mean, you know, I mean, I got a lot of other things I could do in this city, but I'm telling you what, this mission supersedes everything else going on. We got to raise $205,000 in a few weeks. Let me tell you, that's not going to be a, a problem because we're willing to sacrifice for the mission. And we're going to be creative. We want to free the people of God to dream and to think and to be creative. And, and here's the cool thing about it, guys, is when we all have group ownership to this mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus, and I'm, I'm, I'm putting my sweat and tears on the line, I'm I'm tell you what you'll become. You'll become a whole lot less critical than when you're just sitting back taking it in. Now, let me give you some more things that happen when you own the mission. Let's, let's just keep on. You will be, we will be more unified. The, the problem of division in the church is that we don't have a mission often big enough to unite us. If we don't have this incredible mission, here's what happens, guys. It boils down to what you like or what I like. And we'll never agree on that. But when we have a mission big enough, godly enough, to unify us, I can put aside petty disagreements. Second, we will pray fervently. It will drive us to our knees. We will walk closely. Let me say this, guys. We will begin to have relationships with each other that will be more than superficial. Because when we come to church, we're on a mission. And we're praying together about the mission. And you're talking to me about who you're trying to reach for Christ. And I'm telling you about who I'm trying to reach for Christ. And I'm telling you about the areas of my life that I need to clean up so I'd be more Christ-like. Because the mission is bigger than anything else. We'll be unified. If If there's a difference between us, let me tell you what we will do. We will get it straight. Not because we necessarily want to get it straight or feel like getting it straight. But because the mission is bigger than that. And if we don't have our relationship straight, it's going to interrupt the mission. And so, if I need to go to you about something you've done that's offended me, or you need to come to me, we don't sit in church and brood about it because the mission is too big. And we're going to walk closer. And here's here's the final thing, guys we're going to live abundantly. I love that word. We're going to live to the fullest. Let's go back for a second. How about if the disciples had only agreed with the mission? How about if when Jesus says, the Father sent me, I'm sending you, and they went, thank you, Jesus. That's awesome, man. Love that mission. Shook his hand at the end of church service that day and said, good sermon, Jesus, good sermon. man. That's awesome, But, but they didn't own it. And, and, and when the persecution came up, they, man, they, they, they backed off from it. You know, who wants to be threatened with your life? Come on, give me a break, man. And, 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 and let's say they, they cowered in the face of the criticism. Let me ask you, Would we be reading about them today? Can I ask you this? You think they would have lived a life that was full? You think they would have experienced abundant life? Man, I'm telling you, I don't think so. And guys, when we hear this mission, guys, it it, it does call for sacrifice. It does call for you and I to be uncomfortable. Yes, I'm telling you, if we… If we just sit here today and go, yeah, I agree with that, that's really cool, but we don't own it, I, we're not going to experience abundant life. You're going to experience the power of God, you're going to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to experience closeness with one another, we're going to experience a close walk with God when we step out on that mission and we do things that, that are beyond us that we can only do with the power of God. And our life counts I think about in that movie Selma, I think about John Lewis, that young man in that movie who was almost beaten to death on that bridge in Selma. John Lewis is an old man now, been representing the state of Georgia and the U.S. House of Representatives for 28 years. Can you? I can only imagine the fulfillment that he feels. That he didn't cower. That he was a part of that. That even when his friend says, "Don't walk across that bridge. It's too dangerous. We know what they're going to do to you," he was willing to step out. And the man has lived a full life. That's accomplished something. That's, it's incredible. And and that's what God is inviting you and I to, a life that's more than just about paying the bills and making it from day to day and keeping food on the table. It's about a mission that's bigger than you and I. And I challenge you, if we cower in the face of this mission, we will not have abundant life. So one more question here this morning. When it comes to owning the mission, here's the big question. Do I own the mission? Do you own the mission? I mean, when it comes to our church here, here's here's the question I want to ask you. Is this a church you attend or is it your church? When it comes to this message today, is this a message you agree with or is it your life? There's a distinct difference in you walking out of here today and saying, I really like what you guys are doing. And isn't it awesome that we could be on this mission together? I'm asking you today, do you simply live in agreement? I I can guarantee you you probably wouldn't be here if you didn't agree with this mission. I mean, nobody's going to go, nope, I don't agree. The gospel doesn't need to be spread. Let's just keep it to ourselves. Let everybody else go to hell. I don't think anybody agrees with that. But there's a difference in agreement and ownership. Now, what's the key? Let's get to the bottom line of this message. What is the key? I think it was found back in Acts chapter 4, where here's what Peter said, we cannot help speaking about what we'd seen and heard. You ever had anything in your life that you just couldn't help but do? Maybe maybe it might be a bad habit. Maybe during Christmas you really wanted to do better about not eating too much, but someone brought out that chocolate pie and you said to yourself, my goodness, when my mom fixes that chocolate pie, I can't help myself. Or, 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 you know, somebody brought donuts to work early this week and you had your resolution about losing weight and they were still hot. And you said, man, I just, man, this, this is just an area. I, I can't, I, I just can't help it. They're sitting there. They're free. I've I'm, I'm got it. So I always have bad habits. I've chewed ice my whole life. I drive my wife crazy in chewing ice, you know. But if I've got ice in that cup and it's in front of me, there's just a part of me, I just can't help it. Despite the fact that I stay in trouble about it. And despite the fact that God's got me back now because both of my sons continually chew ice and it drives me crazy. We, we all have that stuff. We just almost can't help. We also have positive things that we can't help. Maybe you're at school or maybe you're at work and a terrible injustice happens. And, and, and you can't stand to see that. And, and you can't help despite the fact you might even put your job on the line. You can't help but speak up about it and go, this is not right. Have you ever been in Walmart where there's some mother abusing their child? I mean, it's just cruel, it's out of order, and you're going, and you're trying to look the other way, and, and, and you, you, you just, it's, just, it's just awful, you know, and you try to get on another aisle, but eventually, you can't help yourself. You have to walk over and break that deal up and say something about it. You just can't help it. That's the key to this. When we begin to be so internally convicted about the gospel of Jesus Christ— I like how Peter put it, what we begin to hear and what we saw, what we have learned and what we've experienced, when that is so ingrained in us that we can't help but let it out, it just comes out of us. Well, let me just try to illustrate this just a to, just to second for you, because I, I think this is the way it happens. What we've got to do is we've got to be saturated with the gospel And just let this red bucket for a minute just represent the awesome gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, here's the key. It's not that I'm preaching to you that you need to own it. It's that you get to the point where you're so saturated with Jesus. You filled yourself up with his word. You're full of his Holy Spirit. You have bought into his mission that whatever you do, it just comes out. I mean, let's, let's do it this way. I mean, we take this sponge, and right now it's dry, but we put in this water, and we just begin to let it soak it up, and now it's beginning to be soft and pliable, and we begin to soak up this water, and we begin to allow it just to saturate everything about us. And this is what happens, then we can't help it. Nobody's forcing you to say something at work. Nobody's forcing you to stand up at school. It's who you are. You're a greeter of this church, and it comes out when you greet somebody. You're a Bible class teacher, man, and Jesus just comes out wherever you go. I mean, you go to work, and you don't go in there, you know, expecting to give somebody some lecture about Jesus, but something comes up, and you've got an opportunity to say it, and you're so saturated, it just comes out. Somebody rubs you the wrong way and bumps into you, man, and it even flows any better, even better, because you respond with the graciousness of the gospel. My friends, it's when we're saturated with this that it automatically comes out. And I ask you this morning, are you saturated with it? Are you filled with it? So much so that whatever you do, you can't help it. No preacher's got to tell you to do it. No elder's got to command you to do it. You just can't help it. That's what happens. That's what happens with these people. You know, many of us today, if we are be honest, man, we're, 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 we're dry. We're more like this, this little sponge. I mean, we, we, we come today, and, and you're sitting here, and you're hearing this, and, and you're sort of relating to it, and you're wishing you were, you were at that point, but you're really, really dry, The the, the life has been spent from you, And, and what I'm saying to you is maybe life has so diverted you that you've forgotten the beauty of the gospel, or you've not saturated yourself with the truth of the gospel. You're not in the Word. You're not praying for the Spirit to fill you. You're not looking for opportunities to share the gospel. You're just living your life, and spiritually you're dry. And I'm saying to you today, why don't you leave today saturated? Do something today that starts filling yourself with the gospel I go back to our original question today do you have agreement or do you have ownership and here's what I'd like us to do today can you show that slide up there for me do you have agreement or do you have ownership here's what I want us to do as we close out We've got to change that question mark to an exclamation point that I have ownership. For some of us, quite frankly, it's a question mark. Now, let me say this. Satan's going to fight this. Satan's scared to death that this church might get on a mission. Or maybe put better, the mission might get this church. And we might start changing our lives. And he's, he's invited us. I'm telling you, he's fighting me. I mean, last Sunday was such an awesome Sunday. Both services, we had great time. Lots of people say, man, I want to be on that mission. We met Sunday night at our house, man. Had a wonderful time praying about the mission. And I'm telling you, I woke up Monday morning slammed. I felt so depressed, so attacked. I didn't want to get out of bed. And and I'm telling you, I've lived long enough to know when I preached the way I preached last Sunday, I should have anticipated it. It happens every time. Because Satan doesn't want me to preach this way. And he doesn't want you to listen this way. Because he knows if somehow we caught this ownership deal, it would change everything. And so he's going to attack it. He's going to tell you right now not to listen. Some of you who need to walk forward today, he's telling you right now, don't dare do it. And if you did do it, you may wake up tomorrow morning under attack. Let me just go ahead and warn you, because he doesn't want to see it. I promise you, he doesn't want to see it. But here's the good thing, is, is God's more powerful. I mean, Just think about the group that we started with last week, the disciples. I mean, if ever there's a question mark behind a group of people, it's the disciples, man. There's a huge question mark. I mean, these guys are so weak. I mean, Peter's denied the Lord. I mean, they run at the cross. I mean, anybody think, anybody was going to bet on these guys to change history? I mean, there's an incredible question mark. But look what happened today. When we've read the book of Acts, there is an amazing explanation mark. I mean, the, the, they, they were questionable. And, and, and today you might think, well, I'm questionable. This church is questionable. Will it really happen? I'm going to tell you, here's what we're trying to do today. Let's just get rid of the question mark and let's get an exclamation point. And let me say this, guys. If God could do that with that ragtag group of people who didn't seem to be able to get anything right and who will still make mistakes as we keep reading the story, if God could do that with them, he could do it with us. But here's what happened, when Jesus resurrected and they got it, and then the Holy Spirit came and filled them, man, they were so saturated, they couldn't help themselves. That could be us. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, me I can't help it right now. Let me just say something. If you're not a Christian here today, why don't you become a Christian? If you've never decided to follow Jesus, why don't today be the day? Why don't you be baptized into Christ? That's a saturation point. That's a place where you're not just dunked in a pool of water. You're dunked into the life, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why don't, you, why don't you make that decision today? And if you've done that at some point in your life, but now you end up dry, why don't you come today and ask us to pray for you, that God would saturate you with the gospel and fill you with the Holy Spirit, and so you would go to work or school or just back to your home this afternoon, and you just can't help it. You can't help it because you're so full of it. If you need to come, come right now while we stand and sing.